Hi, I'm Joy. And I'm Janelle. And we are your hosts of the Melanin and Miles podcast. We are just two Black girls in our 20s who have traveled to over 25 countries and five continents. And we want to share our travel experiences and advice with you. Like when I went cliff jumping in Jamaica, or when I booked a flight for only $6, and even when I lived with a host family who didn't speak any English in Spain for four months. Or when I went skydiving in D.C., swam with elephants in Thailand, and won over $200 at a casino in Puerto Rico. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. Before we get into the episode, make sure you get your hands on our free Budget Babe travel guide to learn the top 10 ways you can be saving hundreds or even thousands of dollars on your next travel adventure. Get the guide straight to your inbox at melaninandmiles.com slash free. This segment of our podcast is called The Check-In, where we both update you guys on where we've been traveling and life updates in 60 seconds or less before we get into the episode. Hey guys, it's Joy. I'm checking in from Florida. I have really just been working on my small business, Joyful Bee, this past week, just working on getting orders out and stuff like that. Nothing new in the travel sense, but I am planning my birthday my birthday is actually august 17th so i'm thinking about spending some time with my boyfriend in jersey so more to come on that hey everyone welcome back to melanin and miles today we are interviewing heidi a first generation latina that studies international business and trade at florida atlantic university She recently attempted to study abroad in Japan, but had to leave her program almost two months early because of COVID-19. So today she just wants to talk a little bit about her um, time in Japan, the little time she did have. So welcome, Heidi. Hi, thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Hey, no problem. So yeah, let's start off with Jess, before you even got to studying abroad, what made you decide to go abroad? Like, did you travel a lot or was that your first time leaving the country? Just tell us a little bit about your interest in travel. Okay, so I've always wanted to study abroad and I really decided to make that move when I first went to Spain a few years ago, I was 19 and I realized how easy it was to travel. Um, especially, you know, if you have a passport, which surprisingly a lot of people don't in the U.S., but if you do, definitely take advantage. And so originally I was going to go back to Spain to enhance my Spanish um, because I'm what you call like a coordinate bilingual. So I speak Spanish, but I learned it in a different context. Obviously, I was born in America, and so I learned English, but my family is from Dominican Republic. So I learned it through my parents and my grandparents. However, my parents speak really good English, so I didn't really have a motive to learn Spanish unless I was speaking to my grandparents. So it's very limited. Um, So yeah, that's why I wanted to go to Spain, enhance my business Spanish. But unfortunately, Spain is a very popular country to travel to, and so it was fully booked until 2021. So my advisor asked me, like, what was my second choice? And so I decided to go complete opposite and go to Asia and try a new language. So I've always liked Japanese culture, Japanese people. Uh, I started really liking like K-pop. I know that's South Korea, but 
uh, I really like Asian um, culture, so I wanted to try that out, and I did, and I loved it. So that's how I chose Japan. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people, I feel like on the study abroad front, like, a lot of people do the Europe first, and then they're like, oh, I want to, like, expand my horizon. So I'm yeah. super cool that you um, decided to go to Japan. So, yeah, they definitely um, do a lot of, they even give out, like, extra scholarships for people who go to Asia or, like, Arabic-speaking countries. So it's definitely a plus. Cool. Did you get any of those scholarships? I did not, but <laughs> I was not going to let that stop me. So I took out okay, a cool. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, do you, like, can you tell us a little bit about how you like finance the study abroad and like tips for anyone thinking about going? Yeah, so I took out a student loan, but I only did that because I was able to fund my entire college career with financial aid and scholarships. And I, this is my last semester, so I didn't have any student debt. So I was okay with taking that out. Um, but obviously that's up to um, you guys to decide if you want to do that. Um, I've also funded different types of trip. Like I've been to India and I funded that by fundraising because it was a volunteer trip. So there's different ways to do it. You could do a fundraiser, you could do a GoFundMe. Um, I'm sure people love to support you. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways to fund your study abroad. But I chose to just uh, go for a loan and, and do that. Great. Yeah, those are some good tips. So when you finally um, got to Japan, um, what was life like as a student? Like, how was your first week there and then adjusting? Uh, so being in Japan felt like I was in a different planet, but in a really cool, awesome way. Everyone looks different. Um, I mean, at the international school, I felt like I was going to like UN University or something like literally like every country was represented and it was just a really cool experience. Um, I would say my favorite part of like Japanese culture and something I, I noticed like the first week I was there was that everyone is so polite and so kind. Um, and I would say like, it's not like every Japanese person was born being this way, but I feel like it's just their culture to be that way. And I think that's really cool. And I know if like anyone else is studying international business or have taken international courses, they probably heard of like Hofstede Cultural Dimension. And we talk a lot about this thing called power distance. And basically that's, well, I'm getting so academic right now, <laughs> but that's basically like, uh, it refers to the, how they distribute power. And so Japan is very, um, or a lot of places in Asia as well, they have a lot of respect for authorities. And then I was able to like see that in everything else that they do. They have like, even if you study like the religion of Shinto, like um, they have a respect for nature. And if you look at uh, martial arts, I trained jujitsu here in Florida. And um, I see that because it was originated in Japan. And I remember my first day I went into class and I stood right in the middle and professor kindly asked me to go all the way over to the right because I had to respect everyone else who has been here longer and who knows more. So you get to see that kind of thing literally everywhere on the streets, um, in a work environment, even waiting in line at a train, like everyone waits in a single file line. And so it's, you could definitely see that. And that was like my biggest first impression. Wow, that's really interesting that, you know, 
immediately upon getting there, you notice the differences. So like, what was your like accommodations there? Did you stay with a host family and school housing? How did that work? And what was your experience with that? So they offer housing, uh, host family, and they also have um, on-campus living. And I wanted to do on-campus living because I'm a commuter here in Florida. So I never really lived on campus. I started off with community college and then transferred into the university. And so I've lived with my parents the whole college career. So this was kind of like my first experience living alone. And I definitely enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, I visited some of the host families through my the friends that I made. And we had like really delicious like Japanese food and it was great. So um, maybe, I mean, there is no next time I'm graduating soon, but um, I'm really, I'm happy with the decision, the decision I made, so. Cool. And um, let's hear about like you adjusting to the culture there. So did you have any other experiences of culture shock, whether it was making friends with locals or, you know, being just out and about or in class, like you said, you had that particular experience? I would say, um, sorry, you might have to edit this part out. <laughs> uh, I would say another thing would be that something I was really surprised by is their food. So I'm not sure if it's because it's a private university or because it's just a Japanese university, but they offer like real food. Like I'm talking like rice and soup every single morning. We have cabbage salad, we have fish, and this is all at like 7 a.m. in the morning. So it's something I'm not used to. And I spoke to some other Japanese students who came to FAU and they loved their experience. And the only like bad thing they had to say was, their food was trash. Like it was just like chicken burgers and like cheese pizza. So <laughs> I apologize for that. But yeah, their food was delicious. Um, and it's honestly the best food I've ever had in my life. Um, there's that. And then I would also mention, um, I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, food is definitely something that can change your experience. I've had experiences like for my study abroad um, and the previous episodes where I discussed my study abroad in Spain, how disgusting my food was um, with my host family. Um, and I talked freely about it because my host family only speaks Spanish, so they'll never <laughs> find out that they never like their food. <laughs> Um, yeah, but food can definitely change your entire experience. I feel like, you know, it's something that you don't really think about at first, but like when it's good, it's good. When it's not, you're. Yeah, you're, it was way too good. At one point I even wanted like just mac and cheese or a cheeseburger, chicken Alfredo. Like I just wanted right. American food. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not used to like living this good. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you need that processed food to <laughs> remind to you live. of home. For real. Um, so let's um, shift the conversation. So we talked about, you know, you being a student there and kind of adjusting. So what um, things did you notice when you um, going there as someone as a different race and someone having a complex background? I feel like, you know, um, people in the Caribbean and also Latinx and Black 
all have different complexities to them that are very hard to understand for someone, you know, in Asia. Um, so let's hear about your experience with that. Yeah, definitely. So there's obviously racism everywhere, which means there's racism in Japan. Um, but it definitely was a different experience. Um, I wanted to talk about um, this experience I had in my marketing class. We were watching a documentary uh, called Hatfu. And Hatfu is basically, it comes from the English word half, which means half Japanese, half uh, foreigner. And it was basically about people who were born in Japan, but were Hatfus and their struggles. And so something I took away from that is that no matter if you speak perfect Japanese and if you know their culture and their traditions and their mannerisms and you don't look like them, you still can't be Japanese. And so like, there's also this other video I saw actually two weeks ago. Um, this YouTuber goes by Polyglot Stories and she interviewed a seven-year-old boy who is a hafu. Um, so he's half Japanese and half, uh, uh, for the other half and half black, sorry. Um, and so he was talking about how like kids would call him foreigner um, in the Japanese for foreigners, gaijin. <laughs> so they'd call him gaijin, gaijin. And he said they called him way worse things, but he didn't want to share that. Um, so that kind of broke my heart, but they're also uh, kids, but it still goes on even when you're older and you're adult, um, no matter how, no matter if you are born in, Jap in Japan, and you don't look like it, you still can't really fit in because their look is so distinct. So compared to like the US, um, I'm really grateful that like, well, we're still fighting for this, but I'm really grateful that ideally there is no typical look for an American. You could walk down New York City and you can't really tell anyone who was born in America and who wasn't because we all look different. Um, and so you could go to the US and be called an American. You could call yourself an American within weeks but you can be in Japan for 20 years and that will never happen. You can never really be Japanese. And like, that's the kind of racism issues that they have there. Wow. So after learning that and watching that um, documentary, how did that change how you like walked around and how you kind of reacted to things that people may have said or acted around you? So I wasn't really, I, I didn't really experience anything in Japan. I know on the train, like people won't really sit next to you, but um, one of the Japanese students warned me like, hey, like if they don't sit next to you, it's not because like they don't really like you because of your color. It's sometimes just because you're shy. So that's another thing you have to like put into the equation. Like, and like one, it's either like, oh, he's racist or two, like he's really shy. So I couldn't really tell. Um, but yeah, I didn't personally didn't have any issues with racism on, on my experience, but I definitely know that it does exist there. Great. Thanks for sharing. So Janelle's going to um, talk to you a little bit about, um, you know, when you when COVID came around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. COVID, Miss Rona. <laughs> <laughs> I know you wanted to talk like a lot more about like your experience in Japan, but I feel like this is just something we have to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, when did you guys start to first hear about COVID? And then like, what was your original reaction when it like when all the news was like kind of coming out in that area? Okay, so 
when I landed, I noticed that a lot of people were wearing uh, masks. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I asked a Japanese student because I know like Japanese people wear masks anyways, like it's always been a thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is like when I first landed ish. So this was like Jan- mid- middle of January. And I asked her like, hey, is this like a fashion statement? Because I'm trying to like fit in. Should I get a mask? <laughs> it was like, no, like there's actually a virus in China. And like, we're right next to China. And I'm like, how do I not really know about this? It wasn't like as big of a deal, but it definitely was there. And so like, as the days go on, um, it starts getting on like global news. And now I have people texting me like, hey, uh, be careful, like praying for you, like make sure you wash your hands, like wear a mask. And I remember like being so overwhelmed. I was still jet lagged, so it was really early on on the trip. And I remember waking up at 6 a.m. in the morning and seeing all these messages about COVID. And I literally started to cry because I'm such a cry baby. (laughs) So I'm like, am I gonna die here alone? And like, I'm alone in this dorm and Oh my gosh, if someone put a camera in that dorm, they probably thought I was crazy. Like I immediately got up and I started searching ways to like boost up my immune system. So I started drinking like emergency, like the little vitamin C packets. I started working out, like I started doing breath work exercises. Like I was like, I'm not going to get this. I'm not. (laughs) And eventually like all of that kind of went away when I started talking to other people and they seemed like they didn't care. Like people were rebelling. They're like, yeah, if they send me home, like I'm staying. I'm like, okay, but what if they force you? Yeah. So a lot of people were just like YOLO about it. Like if we get it, we get it. I'm like, yo, no, I have other places to go and visit people to see. Like, so it's also like Japan has been through a lot of natural disasters as well. So they're kind of I don't want to say like used to it or something, but it definitely they weren't like too crazy about it. Even in March when I went to Tokyo for a spring break, um, like everyone was using the train still. And that's when my like, quarantine began in the US. And so I was kind of like questioning that, but it seemed pretty okay over there. Um, and it's funny because I remember uh, the first week, it was like orientation week and we had to do like this like homeroom, like uh, meetup that we did one one time and the professor asked everyone to you know stand up introduce yourself tell us where you're from and then tell us like where you're going for spring break and so I stood up like really confident too I was like hey everyone my name is Heidi and for spring break I'm going to the Great Wall of China and South Korea like myself I Wuhan who knows I don't know but I was like thinking I had all these plans and so like that's definitely something I learned is that you can make all these plans and the universe will just like tear it apart (laughs) and you just have to be adaptable. If not, like you're going to forcefully learn how to. Yeah. That, that really, so like, did you get, you said you went to Tokyo. Did you get to travel anywhere else? Uh, No, I, I I traveled like locally. I was in a city called Hirakata, which Mm -hmm. was right in the middle of like Osaka and Kyoto. So Osaka is like a smaller city but it's still very city-like and Kyoto is like the traditional, like not countryside, but like, have, have you ever seen those pictures of like the red shrines and the bamboo forest? Like that's mm-hmm. where Kyoto is and everyone's wearing kimonos. Um, and then Tokyo is very city-like, very um, anime, Pokemon, like Mario Karts on the street. <laughs> it's really cool. So I definitely like Tokyo way better. 
That's cool. So um, I guess once things got bad and like you obviously you had to leave early, how did like your university like at like FAU, how did they handle the crisis? And then how did the school in Japan handle the crisis? Yeah, so uh, the university in Japan, they gave us like a three week spring break. Um, so they canceled like the, the first two weeks of school and they wanted us to do online classes and then we would go on spring break and then we'd come back. Um, but we went on spring break and like never came back, uh, just like a lot of other students did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the school at FAU, they, my advisor contacted me and asked me like, hey, if we could recommend you to come back, but you ultimately can decide if you want to stay or not. So I decided to stay. Um, but then two days later, she was like, "Never mind, you're coming home. I was like, so I have no choice. She's like, nope. So I had to come back. So that's how they handled it. Dang. Well, I mean, at least you're safe. I'll say that. It sucks yeah, that like, it I, got cut so, short. But. Yeah, I definitely got to experience a lot in two months. So I'm very grateful. That's like the longest I've ever been um, in a different country. So Yeah. Like, and wow. then like, yeah. was your family stressed? Because I know you said like you've been living at home pretty much throughout most of college and like you grew up at home so was your family stressed when you got back or anything uh my mom was very concerned like she was very like wash your hands wash your hands like you're not going outside um when we did groceries like we had to wash our groceries I'm like bruh this is so extra but she was very like aware and careful with everything dang okay yeah well I'll wrap up the corona question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. None of, yeah, none of my friends wanted to see me. They're like, heck no, girl, you were right next to China. Like, oh. we miss you, but not that much. I was like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good thing that you were safe. Everything worked out um, as far as being safe. <laughs> not yeah, as far yeah, as the yeah. trip. So, okay, so you did get to spend two months there. So let's do a little reflection. Out of those two months, what would you say was your best experience? Was it like some a weekend trip you took was it you know the food like what was your best experience um and tell us a story about that my best experience oh it's so hard because it's all so good um let's see I think my spring break was so fun um and it was like I I made some friends on campus and we all decided to go to Tokyo together. And I mean, a lot of things were shut down and like the club scene was pretty low. And, but I had a lot of fun like meeting uh, mutual friends from a friend that I made. She had friends who lived in Tokyo and who went to a different university. So I got to meet them and just connect with them and really talk to Japanese students. Um, and I think that was my favorite part was getting to connect with them and see how different they are from our, cult- our culture and people who studied abroad in America and what they thought about it. And like, I remember I was with this Japanese girl and I was on TikTok <laughs> and she was like, oh, let me see. Because your America's TikTok is so different from Japanese TikTok. So we were like exchange TikToks and we were just watching that. So little stuff like that, like that made my trip. Yeah, that sounds so fun. Like, 
I would be interested, like, about, like, the street fashion. Like, are you into fashion? Oh, my gosh, know- <laughs> Have you seen the TikTok of, like, the Chinese streetwear? Uh, street- yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like. I literally <laughs> cannot wear jeans and a t-shirt because I look homeless over there. So I yes, to, like, I would up. be all about the fashion there. Oh my gosh, their fashion is crazy. Like we went on this, uh, it was in Shibuya, like the Shibuya crossing area. There is a street where people like will dress up to the gods, bruh. And like, I went down that street and I was like, I do not belong here. <laughs> yeah, that's so, what part were you actually staying in and what university were you at? Uh, the university was called Kansai Gairai University. And that's in a small city called Hirakata. So that's like uh, by Kyoto and Osaka area. So Tokyo was like a nine hour bus drive. Wow. (laughs) And like, what would you say is your like proficiency? Did your like language skills improve in those two months? Like, how would you say your, your comfortability is now? So I don't know any Japanese at all, but I did take a Japanese class. It was mandatory. Um, and it was super hard because you're learning an entirely different alphabet and all these different characters and like some different sounds, but that was, that was really fun. I loved that class and I got to use like things that I learned in class immediately after. And that was just really fun to use. And we learned a lot, like it was a Japanese one class, but it was like five credit course. And it was going really fast and we were learning quickly and it was fun to see like the signs outside and being able to put sounds to the characters and like right. i could read some of the words already and that's really that was, good yeah. yeah that was a really cool experience i'd go on the train and be like ma 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 adi, adi, <laughs> got i'm like all right already fast <laughs> yeah, yeah no that's good that reminds me of like when i went to brazil like i didn't speak any portuguese but we took a portuguese language class like every morning and like at the end of that we were like thinking we could pick up people at the club <laughs> we <were just> like, <laughs> oh my gosh i literally like learned how to say can i have your phone number and like that was my line like that's all hey <laughs> no but the yeah, japanese like, boys are so shy literally really like, yes they're really shy so. I mean that's cute but it's like it's cute but like <laughs> yeah like move or what <laughs> <laughs> yeah was there any like nightlife or anything you experienced there oh my gosh the nightlife was so different and maybe it's because of the area I was in I heard like Tokyo nightlife is way better um but where I was like people I don't even know I was in a city called Kobe and went to this club and like they were playing a lot of like, you know, US throwback music, like stuff you would hear like at a sixth grade ice cream social. Oh, <laughs> but then wow. they also <laughs> but then they also had like K-pop and like everyone was so hyped with that. But they weren't very like provocative. Like no one was like booty popping, shimmy shimmy yay, shimmy y'all. Like everyone's like kind of in their spot. And if anyone was booty popping, like it was me. So like you could obviously tell we were foreigners. And I remember like jumping on my friend's back and like just jumping up and down and I was like get me down get me down he's like why I'm like no seriously it's so awkward we're the only ones jumping (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so we are going to wrap up the interview with our last question for you and that is why do you think it is important for black women or latinas or just anyone with a diverse background to travel I think it's so important for Black girls to travel because 
you understand the world better, you understand people better. And I think especially as people of color, like, and as much as we want to be understood, we should definitely do the same for our neighbors, especially now, like, if you see those pictures of the Black Lives Matter protests, like there's Hispanics for Black Lives Matter, there's Asians for Black Lives Matter. And a lot of people are fighting for like our rights and we should do the same. So we should learn about different cultures. And I'm assuming like a lot of people listening to this podcast are like-minded. So I'm gonna just take a wild guess and say like a lot of us here have that growth mindset and we love to learn. So the world is literally like your classroom. And I remember learning things about Japan in my international business class and just being there to experience it firsthand is like something you can never experience in a classroom. So definitely travel the world. <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this was really good. Um, I really enjoyed hearing about your experience in the two months you did get to spend in Japan. Um, we wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast and we just wanted to close with letting you um, let everyone know where they can follow you or if there's anything you're working on that you wanted to talk about, we'd be glad to share that with our audience. Yeah, definitely. Shameless plug. Here we go. So you can find me on Instagram, Heidi with the Y underscore Rosario. Um, I also created a blog recently. So if you want to go to HeidiRosario.com. Um, I make a lot of YouTube content, so a lot of the content on my blog is my YouTube videos, but I am making lots of videos on travel when I can go travel, but also a lot of travel-related content, so like cooking foreign food, trying new things, um, just business-related stuff, and uh, language learning. So if you're interested in that, definitely check me out. My YouTube channel is just Heidi Rosario. Nice, and we'll link a lot of that in like the bio and the show notes so people can find it all right thanks again for doing this have a good one stay safe thank you so much stay safe everyone bye